Hello and welcome back to Unconditional and Uncensored. I'm Renata. And I'm Lauren. And I feel like I can barely concentrate anymore because Christmas is coming and so are you. Mm. Because, okay, I get, mm, I guess this might be a little bit confusing for the listeners because this episode that we're recording now is only going to launch next week, which is what, like the 29th of December? So yes. by that point in time, you're actually already there and we're probably like knee deep in a bottle of wine. Uh, so <laughs> yes. for context, for our dear listeners, we're recording this uh, before Christmas. So at yes. this point in time, I am feeling very excited. I'm also very excited, very excited. I mean, I I had um, lunch with the ladies at work on Monday. It is currently Thursday here, five o'clock in the morning on Thursday. And uh, I had lunch with the ladies at work on Monday and I said to them, guys, I'm sorry, but if you give me any administrative tasks, it's not going to get done because my head is in Europe already. My head is in my bags where I'm packing and I'm in Europe already. So I'm just kind of going through the motions of the day to get the day by, but I'm not physically here anymore. Like I'm not, or mentally I'm not here anymore. (laughs) I've checked out. I totally identify with that. I'm also, I'm still working until Friday and Mm. um, yeah, most of my colleagues are already on vacation. They were still working yesterday and today and I think it's like me and one other guy who is still working until Friday. So Mm. there is not much motivation, I must say. So kind of just like willing these next two days away. Mm. Mm. Yes, I... I remember that feeling of when everyone around you at work is on leave and you're still working. It's almost like you've got a bit of a FOMO just because you also want to be on leave and you also want to be able to sleep late. Um, yeah. And is there much going on at work still? Like, do you have much that you still need to do? Um, not things that need to urgently be done this year. I think mm. the bulk of my stuff, my biggest responsibilities were all to do with the traveling that I was doing and the events that we were having. So now that that is finished, um, yeah, it's definitely a little bit slower for me. At least you can wind down, sort of. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm um, probably not functioning at my optimal and normal (laughs) pace at the moment. Uh, I must admit that. I was out with a friend last night. Um, we went to go and see like the Christmas lights and the Christmas show in the city. And uh, I was saying to him how much FOMO I've got because the city was swarming with people. At 11 o'clock last night, it was crowded and there were so many people out. And I looked around and then I looked at him and I said to him, it's because everyone's on holiday, you fuckers. <laughs> because I'm not on holiday yet. <laughs> And then I got yes. home at like midnight last night and I was like, I have to be up at office four. <laughs> well, I have a solution for to prevent you having to wake up early in the morning. Uh, move to Europe. So then we're in the same time zone and we don't have to record <laughs> 10 hours uh, difference. So. I would love to be in the same time zone as you, which I'm going to be in T minus four days, five days. I've got four days before I need to make things happen on this side, but five days before I actually physically in person get to see you, I get to give you a hug. I'm definitely going to cry. Like big crocodile tears of of happiness, of course, but (laughs) it's just, yeah, 
It's, I'm not um, someone who cries from excitement. I do sometimes, but like very randomly. But I'm not someone who cries easily okay. from excitement. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I remember what it, what it was like when I visited you in Australia last year. Mm. And just that like sheer emotion of seeing someone that you care so deeply about that you haven't seen in so long. It's just like it just bubbles all to the surface. Okay, you're going to make me cry now. I retract that back. Yes. So, mm. no, I'm, uh, we'll definitely have some kind of embarrassing welcome sign. So uh, <laughs> everyone knows that Lauren is arriving. Uh, I will probably be doing that in the next two days. Making yeah. some funky welcome sign. That's cute. That's cute. Uh, but I think let's get into our topic today and i think our topic is a very relevant topic nowadays but i think it's also a very sensitive topic mm. and i think especially for you as well i think this is going to be quite a sensitive one to talk about because you're speaking about a really a, a real and lived experience for you um so i think first of all to just say i think thank you again for being vulnerable mm. this is not the first time that you've been vulnerable on the podcast <laughs> Um, there, there are there are a few occasions that you've been very open, but I think this one is a it's it's more recent, maybe. Mm. Well, I say recent, but it's still be, it's been a, a few years. But I mean, I think it's still something like this can leave you feeling really raw, even even mm. after some time has gone by. So yes, thank you. So we're talking a little bit today on um, verbal and emotional abuse. And, um, I guess the, well, the reason that I decided to share this was because I've been hearing a lot of, uh, a lot of stories about people that, you know, come out of abusive relationships, but I guess also I've been hearing a lot of, um, terms being thrown around stuff like narcissism and living in narcissistic households or, you know, being being involved in these relationships and it it kind of like it got me thinking about my story or my my experience no no, I won't call it my story but my experience and just to put out there kind of how common it is but painted in a bit of a different light as well and to help people understand what it's like so one of the big reasons um for me wanting to talk on this is that I consider myself a very strong person and um I I kind of I pride myself on the fact that I'm a strong person so you know I'm not going to let the world back me down just every other day I'm not someone that will sort of kneel to kneel in the face of a a difficult time if I can put it that way so the fact that this had happened to me was a very, very difficult pill for me to swallow for a very long time because people talk about you being a victim of abuse or a victim of, you know, someone's actions. And for me to think about the fact that I was a victim really, 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 even to today sits very uncomfortably for me because I consider myself stronger than that. And I think that that's very largely a stereotype, to be honest. I think that that's that that's me having this maybe it's a bit of an overinflated image of myself <laughs> um but 
to me that feels like it's a weak a weak spot for me and it's a very difficult weak spot to admit so if I have to get into a bit of the story it comes back to a relationship story that had been a recent-ish relationship (laughs) where this individual and I had we, we got together and it kind of things happened very very quickly very quickly we kind of started talking and then I came to Australia for a visit and it was maybe like two weeks after we'd started seeing one another that Um, he'd started talking in the direction of moving in together and initially that was a lot like it was a lot to process but me having also not that long ago come out of another relationship and wanting to feel wanted and wanting to feel loved and wanting to be seen by someone that I feel like could play the role that I wanted from a partner made that a little bit more exciting for me as well so Fast forward two months, we were seeing each other for two months when he moved in with me. I was just about to move into my own apartment um, back in South Africa and he was talking about moving to the city that I was living in Um, and the conversation kind of went in the direction of, you know, I don't see the point in renting my own place if we're just going to end up living together anyway. So when he did move in, I was very excited to be living on my own and to have my own place and just be able to do things my own way. So I was a little bit like set in my ways and wanting to structure things my way. And, you know, as you would when you when you just mm-hmm. find your freedom, I guess, again, for the first time in a while um, or in ever, if I could put it that way. Um, and it was just, it was, a, it was a scratchy time because I was trying to find my feet in this new apartment and he was there. Mm-hmm. And it it turned into a time where there was to make it less uncomfortable um, and to almost give yourself a voice for what you're feeling and what you're experiencing, but not do it in a, a nasty way. We sort of veered in the direction of banter and it became nasty banter, like calling each other names and, you know, having these snarky underhanded comments that we would pine off as, I'm just playing with you. It's just banter. Until one day I sat him down and I said to him, this is not me. I do not like this that is happening because I don't speak to people the way that I'm speaking to you and that is not okay. Mm-hmm. And although he was very accepting of that and he said to me at the time, I agree, we're not speaking to people or like it's not nice to speak to people this way. We shouldn't be starting off a relationship like this. Um that almost set the trajectory for what was okay to be saying to one another because we'd both said it already. And it was stuff like, um, like he would say to me stuff like, uh, you can't do it like that. Don't be stupid. Or, you know, no, he would, in Afrikaans, the word for stupid is dumb. So he'd say to me, no man, you're dumb. Don't do it like that. Do it like this. Or we would call each other names, ugly names, like, calling each other a loser or calling each other a dick or a fuckwit or, you know, whatever, just in the context of things that were happening at home. And when that was how we were voicing our frustrations. And I, I definitely did not like the fact that I was doing this and I couldn't pin down exactly where it was coming from. hundred percent. It was because I was uncomfortable with the situation. I didn't know how else to deal with it without being like directly to his face. Nasty. And I didn't know how to get out of it. But there was also a part of me that I think was clinging to 
I'd made the decision when we just first met, I'd made the decision that this is it for me. So I did not really give myself an option that there was any other option. Um, I didn't feel like I could walk away from, from anything. I didn't feel like I, I like it, it, it wasn't even on my radar that things were not going to work out with this person because mm. I decided that this is it. So this is it now. Now you got to put up with anything that comes your way. And as time progressed, it wasn't that long in actually, as time progressed, he would, he would speak to me in that almost derogatory way pretty consistently. The very common, very, very common com uh, comment that was made in the house was you're dumb, you're stupid or you're dumb. And although I, like I said, consider myself a strong person and I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I'm a stupid person. In fact, I know that I'm not a stupid person and I knew Absolutely that not. back then as well. <laughs> I didn't think that that's something that would get to me. So I just kind of brushed it off every time it was said. It would like, you just brush it off or you laugh it off or you just like roll your eyes, but you don't say something about it or you don't like say to them that is not okay I don't want you to be saying that type of thing to me and it turned into comments about what I looked like physically um it would be in public he would say like obviously as the relationship progressed but it would be stuff like when when we would be out he I don't know if I should say this I say it anyway and then you tell me if we mistake it out the way that he would speak wouldn't always make sense to people and I I think that I can read people pretty easily so I could see in conversation when people weren't understanding the things that he was saying and because I understood him as a person I would jump in and explain or rephrase in a way that I know that people would understand not always not always but sometimes and particularly in instances where it might be like my friends for instance and I see that my friends don't understand then I might mm. quickly just clarify not for strange people because it's not my place to talk for for someone else and then like it, it it would get to the point where he'd say to me can you just like stop talking in public people don't understand you when you talk so just don't talk I'll do all the talking and then there's like one distinct memory that I had when we were immigrating actually it was on our trip to Australia we were in Malaysia and uh, in Malaysia at the airport and it was like seven o'clock in the morning we needed boarding passes printed for um our flight and he looked at me and said to me uh before the lady even said anything he looked at me and said to me just don't like he had these clenched teeth and said don't talk just let me do the talking people don't understand you when you talk anyway you're just dumb just don't say anything and then when we walked up to the counter he started explaining to this woman and this is now there's a language barrier as well. So this mm. woman, like she works in the airport, so she understands English, but not everyone understands when everyone speaks, I guess, particularly not when there's this language yeah. barrier. And I could see that this was happening. And as I opened my, my mouth, he shot me this look and said to me, just walk away. I will handle this. No one understands what you say anyway. And shot me down and I turned around and walked away and I was like, okay, all right, well, I guess you've got a problem, solve your own problems now and figure this out on your own. But like those are the types of comments that would be dropped on the regular. We, mm. for my 
my birthday, we went away one day, uh, uh, one weekend to a game farm that he'd organized with some friends. And to one of my my best friends that had gone with at the time, her partner had come to me and said to me, my grandmother is really struggling with swallowing. And because swallowing is something that I specialize in, I had a mm. bit of a chat to him. And midway through conversation, he came to this person and said, oh, don't listen to her anyway. She's got no idea what she's talking about. And that was taken seriously. And the conversation just stopped there. The, this guy like acknowledged it and they had a bit of a laugh and then it just stopped. So, you know, it was constantly said to me, oh, you don't work a real job because I didn't work from five to five during the day. And if I got home at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, then I have it easy um, and I don't work a real job and I don't really need to have studied for as long as what I do because it's easy work that I do. Or, you know, waking up in the mornings and being looked at me and saying, like, when are you going to lose weight? You need to start running with me at four o'clock in the morning. You know, stuff like that. And like, I'm I'm under no illusion that I played a role in some way in the way that things had happened and transpired, I guess. But I struggle to see, still to today, I try, I really try, but I struggle to see how I made it okay for these types of things to be said to me. What makes someone think that it is okay to talk to you like that? And often I would have conversations with friends um, and say, this was said to me or that that was said to me. And there's one friend in particular that I said it to, and she said to me, but you always telling me to not put up with this. Why are you putting up with it? And I said to her, I don't see the point in, in trying to fight it because it's just going to get worse. So like, I don't let it get to me. I know that it's just comments anyway. It's just water if a duck's back. I just ignore it. Like I'm actually struggling to not get, I'm struggling to not get angry here <laughs> because I obviously also, you know, knew this individual and uh, I, I, hearing these things I, I mean I, I I knew about some of this already obviously but uh, mm. just hearing it said again is just like it's it's honestly I'm, I'm battling to not actually get really angry here mm. what I really struggle with is I am that person that preaches and says you don't let people talk to you that way and I was that person while I was in the thick of it but I couldn't identify for myself in the moment that that was I knew that it was wrong but I didn't know what to do about it I didn't know how to stand up for myself and I think I've mentioned in pre, pre the last episode that we launched on conflict was you know me learning to stand up for myself and and learning to better deal with conflict and that was probably more off the back of this because that was a very big learning curve for me on the fact that I need to stand up for myself more I need to you know set my boundaries and and know what I will and won't put up with. And this very largely painted that picture for me. There was a lot of color plastered against that painting for me with this relationship, but I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And every time I tried, I got shut down and told that, you know, I'm overreacting or I'm, uh, I'm not supposed to feel the way that I did. Hell, even in times where, um, just after my grandfather had passed away, Mm. the day that he passed away like I had the day at work and then I came home and I hadn't really exactly processed it and 
as you would when you lose a family member, I got upset and started crying. And I went into the bedroom. When I came out, the reaction that I got was, why are you crying? He's just dead. Like, he's just gone. Why would you cry about that? Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I looked at him and I was like, "Uh, sorry, what? Like, what? What are you even saying to me? And he just said to me, like, he's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't cry about it. Well, yes, there's nothing you can do about it, but that's not what you're crying about. It's, yeah, okay. You know what? I don't have anything nice to say. So just don't say anything. (sighs) Yes. And um, same thing when my dad, my dad had a heart attack, massive, massive heart attack just before I came over. I phoned him in hysterics just after I'd found out. And I was like, I'm going through to the vault because my dad has had this heart attack. And then he was like, okay, that's fine. I'm coming. I'll come fetch you. But in the car on the way there, he looks at me and it was like, like, why, why are you upset? He's still alive. Like, why are you upset about this? And seeing my dad in the hospital was a very, very emotional, very emotional, very taxing experience. And the the level of empathy that I got there was very much almost non-existent. It was very much brushed off. It was like a, like, you're not supposed to feel this way. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you crying? Why are you reacting like that? Why are you saying, like, why do you want to get up early to go to the hospital? Why do you want to stay there for more than the visiting hours? And I, like I said, it wasn't really an option for me to walk away in my mind. I knew that I couldn't put up with it long term. But I got to the point where And I think I've mentioned it as well before where I had a pregnancy scare one day. Actually, this was maybe like six months in. Um, So it was early on. I had a pregnancy scare. Uh, Not so much a pregnancy scare. My period was a little bit late. And I peed on the stick. And as I was waiting for, for the results to come out, I sat there and started crying. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot have kids with this man. I cannot do it. I will not bring kids into this world if this is what life is going to look like for them. Mm. And being able to identify that for kids, but not for myself was, you know. Mm. I feel like that is, we might not always recognize it exactly as that in the time, but I feel like that's a a really telltale sign that that things are not good or that things are not healthy because I felt Mm. similarly as well. It's a a completely different situation, but also in my, in my first marriage as well. I mean, if you knew me at that time, you'd know I swore up and down. I don't want kids. I never want kids. Mm. And I only came to realize later on that I didn't want kids with that person Um, Mm. because somewhere in the subconscious, it's just, it wasn't a healthy situation. Whereas now I'm a lot more open to the idea. So it is exactly that is that you're willing to protect other people. You're willing to protect an unborn child and you can recognize mm. that this is not a good situation for them or it would not be, but for yourself, you don't prioritize yourself and you don't think of it in that way for yourself. Mm. You say willing to protect other people and it really is, true even people that are close to you and not a part of your situation that I would okay look yes I hid the majority of it from my parents they weren't aware of what was happening they I think my mom suspected it but and my dad would often say to me you're gaining weight Lauren are you happy because 
I'm an emotional eater. But because I'm an emotional eater, when I'm unhappy, I turn to food. And my dad always says to me, it's a telltale sign when I start gaining weight that there's something wrong. And he would say to me, you're gaining weight. Are you okay? Are you happy? And I just brushed it off and I would say yes. But here and there, like here and there, I would tell my mom some of the stories of things that were being said. And it was stuff like um, my concept of health was completely left of what this, this individual thought healthy eating was. So I would cook a healthy meal and then he would say to me, that's not healthy. I don't know how you can even think that that is healthy. What are you thinking? That's so unhealthy. We're just going to get fat. But two or three days later, he would cook the same thing or he would ask for the same thing and tell me how healthy it is. Or like small, stupid things like that. Things that over time would kind of just erode away at your confidence. And I I never really, admi- mm. like I never wanted to admit that I'm someone whose confidence could be knocked down, particularly not by a man. Because I'd come out of a toxic relationship before, I had this long-term relationship before that was very controlling and very toxic. And I decided after that that I'm never going to let a man control me. And here I was letting this man have this impact on me and this effect on me. And the the comments that I was giving was like, oh, you know, it's water off a duck's back. It doesn't really affect me. It's not what I believe about myself. Even towards the end of it, it was almost like a, well, you know, that doesn't really get to me. It's not really, it's not my reality. But towards the end of it, I started noticing that I am, in fact, being very largely affected. My self-confidence, my stuff like my confidence in myself at work, because there would constantly be comments dropped about, that I don't work a real job, that my job is not difficult, that like, why would you need to study for something like that? All that I do is tell people to drink water and then I go home and, you know, that type of thing. So my confidence at work started dropping because I would question, am I really doing something that's worth it? Am I really helping people? Um, When we came over here, my confidence at work was an all-time low because it was a new environment and it was a completely different field and setting. Mm. I didn't, like, I I didn't trust myself to be confident enough in my abilities to know what I'm doing. So that, my confidence in talking to people, I did feel like I was stupid. I very often said to him, like, he didn't believe that I would walk away from him. I would say to him, you know, if you think I'm that dumb, why are you even with me? Why, why do you even waste your time on me? And the, the reactions that I would get was, well, I like spending time with you. And that would be enough for me. The, the fights that we would have were, there's one particular fight that I can think of that, that turned really nasty was we were driving, he was driving, I was in the passenger side and we were driving along a road where there was a, a person that had almost cut in front of us um, and then slammed his brakes. And it was just this like road rage situation and here he sat next to me going off at this person they were screaming at one another outside the window we were knees deep in the immigration process as well like having applied for visas and stuff already and he wanted to get out of the car to smack this person to like physically go at him and I sat there and like tapping him on his arm and I said to him just calm down just leave it it's not worth it just leave it because in my head if you go to prison you're fucking up my chances of getting to Australia Mm. and the the fight that came from that was that I'm not supportive and I don't support his decisions and that it eventually came down to it being my fault that this whole thing had transpired and then he would say stuff to me like 
uh, well, you're the reason that this is not happening, or this is the reason that I don't tell you who I am really am as a person. Here in Australia, we went into quarantine um, for the first two weeks after we arrived here, and God, those two weeks were a nightmare, <laughs> but that was very much like the final straw for me. And there was one mm. day that we received a phone call from, from a doctor, um, just checking in to make sure that we were fine. And the response that I'd given to the doctor was something that he did not agree with off the premise of him being a smoker and not being able to smoke. So the question was around like, is he withdrawing? Do you have like fresh air? Is there a balcony? You know, those types of questions, just general stuff about, about like his behaviors because we couldn't leave the room and he was sleeping. And when he woke up to me saying, you know, he hasn't smoked in a few days, but he seems fine. And then, oh, there was this massive blow up and this blow up kind of led to, it was a very big fight. And at this stage I decided like, I'm done. This is where I'm standing up for myself. You do not get to treat me like this anymore. So mm -hmm. I went back at him and I would say to him, this is not okay. You are not speaking to me like this. And that just kind of compounded the situation. I guess it would escalated even more because he didn't like hearing these things and then he said to me you don't really know me as a person you've got no idea who I really am because I choose not to share it with you you're just so dumb I don't want anyone to know who I really am and that struck a chord with me and I was like okay well then what the hell are we doing yeah what are we doing and that was where I checked out of it and decided this is it this is enough I've had enough and started like internally prepping for what am I going to do if we move into a rental property together and thing like this happens again I cannot have my name on a lease for instance or I cannot have my name on the bond for a car um or you know something along those lines because that will tie me down and eventually he he I don't know if it was intentional for him to want to isolate me from from my family but I kind of felt like that was what it was inching towards or inclined towards was where when we were looking at areas to um to live in it would get further and further and further away from family and now I've got family living in Geelong here and my sister was in Geelong and every Thursday night there's a family dinner um with my aunts and my cousins and you know it's just this nice big get together and I would talk about you know going for family dinner on Thursdays and the comments that I would get was it's too far and it's too dangerous you don't get to go through on your own on Thursdays or wanting to be close to my sister who was highly pregnant and about to pop um, and wanting to be there to help her when the baby arrives and then the comments that I would get was they're going to be new parents they need to do it on them on their own anyway they need to support themselves on their own so that's not your place you don't get to go and help them so I guess that's just like just to share a bit of the context of what I was dealing with. And I, I talk about this from a perspective of things that were said to me. I have tried doing a lot of reflecting on what role I played in all of this because I don't think that I was a saint in all of it as well. Because when people rile you up, you tend to, or I tend to retaliate and say mm. things. But I would never dream of saying to someone, you're stupid or you're dumb or um, like, when are you going to lose weight? Mm. We can't be looking like this or, you know, stuff like that. And these were the recurring sort of themes that came up. 
but that's exactly it is that it was recurring themes it's there's a difference between you have a fight and you're really angry in the moment and you say something nasty that afterwards you regret you apologize and that's it it it's mm. happened to us all we've all said something that we don't that is we regret later but the fact mm. that it's a recurring thing and i think that's the thing is, is that it happened again and again and again and again and that is mm. not okay that really is mm. not there, there were never any apologies there were never admissions of i was wrong to say that or i'm sorry i said that or i'll stop saying it there was never an apology and talking about isolating from my family you know all too well about how things transpired between us but um same thing happened with my friends it in the beginning of the relationship became like it was a yes you go out and see your friends you go and do you I'm here like I'm just doing me and then slowly but surely but I'm sitting here alone at home waiting for you what am I supposed to do when you're out to the point where if I wanted to see my friends, I needed to see them during working hours during the week when he was at work. And even then he would track me on my phone because iPhone has this find my phone sharing with friends. We were on the same sort of, I was on his, his family. So he could see where I was at all times. And I'd get phone calls on the odd occasion saying, why are you visiting Milani? Or who are you on your way to go and see? Why, why are you in that area? And I didn't think anything funny of it at the time. In my head, it was more of like a, oh, okay, that's random. Why would you be checking at two o'clock in the afternoon where I'm at? But I didn't, I didn't think anything more of it until much later. And then when I started switching it off, I would get questioned, why is it off? Why can't I find you? Why are you switching it off? What are you hiding from me? Anyway, so that's just like a little bit of the, the backstory and my eventually taking the decision to walk away was um I, I think it was like the last straw that broke the camel's back was I'd had enough and I knew that I was worth more than what I was getting <clears throat> and that I did not deserve to be spoken mm. to in that way and 100% I did not identify it for abuse until my aunt pointed out to me that this is abuse here in Australia. This was Mm. two years deep already, two and a half years deep. And I went for coffee with her one day and we were chatting about him or about the relationship and just kind of everything in general. And she said to me, but Lauren, do you realize that what he's doing to you is he's abusing you? This is abuse. And that was like a an aha moment for me. And I was like, oh, shit. I, I, like, I am someone that is being abused. And it took me a long time to process that concept of I am this, mm. I want to say, a victim of abuse because I didn't identify it for that in the moment. It was just the way he spoke. It was just the way he is as a person. And it was just the nature of the relationship in my eyes. But I think, you know, and maybe this is jumping around a little bit, but, you know, at the beginning when we started talking, you were speaking about how, you know, the sort of victim, see, you know, you, you see yourself as a strong person, you know, you didn't imagine that you would be a victim. And I think it's also important to say is that 
you were a victim of abuse, but you were not a victim because of your own failing. It is mm. not on you. It is not because you were not strong enough. It is 100% because he is an abuser and because that is his choice and that was his behavior and that's what he continued to do over time. It is because of him and it is not because of you. I hear you, but there's still a part of me that wants to come back and say, but is it my failure because I didn't stand up for myself in that in that moment? Could I have changed that the way that it was happening? I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it's very easy for somebody from the outside to say, okay, but I mean, why didn't you leave earlier? You know, if this is this is terrible. You this is a, it sounds like an awful situation. You should have left earlier. And it's very easy for someone to say that from the outside. But I think when you're in that situation, and I know from my own experience as well, but different, not not this kind of situation, but in other circumstances too, is that when you're in it, you don't see it from that way. And it's not that simple. Mm. I can honestly not tell you why I didn't leave sooner. I just kept coming back for more. I kept clinging to the things that he was saying about, but I like spending time with you, or I think you're a nice person would be the other comment that he says when I ask, well, why are you even with me? I often ask myself why I didn't walk away sooner. And I know that I should have, but I, I think I just had this like, well, this is just it. And this is, this is quite normal to be experiencing this. And this is just who he is as a person. And I made that decision to stay. So that's like, that's my reality. That is what it is. Um, I talk about my reality, but I also question whether the things that I now looking back, maybe not so much now, but over time while I've been dealing with this, I, I question whether, I always come back to this, like I hear people talk about experiences that they've had, or I'll hear people talk about um, something that has happened to them. And then in the most like unjudgmental way, the thought that crosses my mind is, I wonder if this experience is like what the reality was, is it something that you are projecting onto that person and that becomes your reality? You know, sometimes you latch onto this concept and that sort of becomes your reality that becomes what you project as your reality so the question around it for me comes back to but was what I was experiencing actually what was happening or was it because I was projecting this this feeling of hurt and I want to almost say hatred there at the time wasn't much hatred but that sort of uh uh dislike or distrust distaste that I had towards the things that were being said to me is it just the feel the way that I felt about it or the way that I was interpreting it was that actually what was happening or was that me projecting what I was feeling onto him and making that my own reality like I know I can say to you that the things that he said to me were being said 100% they were being said but was my interpretation of it supposed to be negative? Was I making it negative? Because that's just 
I don't know, me as a person or how I was feeling in the moment because you react in emotion. Was my emotional response making that reality worse than what it actually was for me? And, well, I don't know. I, again, from an outside perspective, and I I know you quite well, and I have known you for a number of years, and I, I don't think that that was the reality. Um, I don't think, uh, okay, I guess, I mean, I was not in these particular moments, so I guess, I mean, I can't, yeah, anyway, my, my, my perception is, and, and knowing you and knowing what I do, is that this was the reality. I mean, there's no way that you can call somebody repeatedly stupid, dorm, you know, why are you doing this, you know, constantly undermining that person. And, you know, that was, oh, oops, you know, didn't mean that or whatever. That That is a reality. He was saying that and he meant it. And I don't think mm. that, if speaking maybe a little bit in circles now, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it actually just upsets me a little bit to, to just, just to hear these things again, because it honestly makes me want to put his balls in a meat grinder. <laughs> so he's very lucky I do not live close by it it took me a very long time to process and to deal with everything that had happened and there was a lot that came from it of me needing to rebuild and understand my self-worth um after this Mm. and to trust myself in certain situations I've always known that I'm a good communicator so like talking to people has never been a weak point of mine Um, so stuff like that was fine, but stuff like trusting myself at work again and trusting myself in a relationship setting, trusting a man, because I Mm. believed for a very long time, it took me up until very recently to feel like I can trust a man, trust that a man could have my best interests at heart or could have my interests at heart, maybe not like over and above his own but could actually care enough to consider me and my interests Mm. to the point where I was considering up until maybe in the last four to six months, the thoughts that would come up was about having kids would be, well, maybe I should just have kids on my own before I meet a partner, because that would mean that I don't have to bring kids into a world where that could be their reality and that I would have full custody of my kids, no matter what the situation was in my romantic life so that I could remove my kids Mm. from that and protect them so that there wouldn't be any like custody battles or the risk of my very philosophical kids ending up in a household that had that uh, uh, energy around them or that was, you know, had that sort of behavior around them. Mm. so even though I considered myself a strong person I still consider myself a strong person I know I'm one very fucking strong person there are still these sort of treacle there's this treacle effect of you know it sort of filters down into everything in every way that the way that I perceive life the things that I see and do the memories that come up the way that I interact with my environment or the way that I speak to people is very much impacted by a lot of what I learned during the time that I was with this person. And 
the way that that rubbed off on me. Now only do I feel like I'm really shaking off, I want to say the last of it, but probably most of it, Mm. where I feel like I can really be my own person and not not see the world through that lens anymore, not feel like I'm stupid when I open my mouth to speak, Mm. not feel like, just actually last week, um, I went for coffee with someone and he said that he'd commented to his sisters about how nice it is to just have an intelligent conversation with someone. And I sat back and I was like, oh, oh, so people do see me as intelligent. You know, it's, I know that I feel that way, but I can very easily overinflate my own bubble. Um, But to hear that feedback from, from someone else when Mm. it has been like, it was almost three years of you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb. People don't understand when you speak, don't talk to people in public. I'll do the talking, that type of thing to now being like, Oh, okay. Okay. Actually, maybe, maybe it's not, Mm. maybe it's not me. Mm. And it's taken, it's taken a lot, a lot of work for me and a lot of reflection for me to pull myself out of that but for a very long time I felt like I was unworthy of love like I was unworthy of being totally happy like what I should be doing is giving myself fully to someone else and making them happy and put that um their happiness over and above everything where now I know Mm -hmm. in fact now I'm quite willing and quite happy to be on my own and will not settle for something that does not make me happy that does not put me first I don't feel like I need someone by my side now anymore and I think that is the aftermath of this and for a long time I struggled with the idea of that it's not my place to be teaching him a lesson in life because I know that he was going to move on to the next person and the same thing was going to happen. And I, I do not want that to happen, this to happen to anyone else. I Mm. developed an eating disorder and I'm pretty sure probably 60 to 70% of it came from a result of this relationship. Part of it was because of this relationship I developed body dysmorphia. I stopped trusting myself um, and other people around me. And I don't want, I don't want that for anyone else. I don't want someone else to go through that. And I, I felt like I needed to warn the next person or like I needed to teach him a lesson and say to him, this, this, and this was what you did to me. And that is not okay. And it took me very, very, very long to understand that that is not my lesson to teach. That is a lesson that he needs to learn independently. And whether he's going to or he has, I don't know. And what the next person thinks, I don't know. I have some theories about what is happening there. But yeah, just that like that concept of it's not my place to be teaching him that lesson was a very difficult, mm. very difficult pill for me to swallow. I can imagine because, well, I guess, you know, as you have heard in the course of this episode as well, is that like, it makes me feel like, I, well, would like to put his balls in a meat grinder and tell him exactly what I think of him. <laughs> and that would probably still not bring anything, achieve mm. anything because, mm. yeah. I, I can say that I know that he didn't learn the lesson that I think my role was to teach him in that. 
because he he reached out to me after it had happened and said to me he'd been seeing a psychologist and the psychologist had helped him understand what was happening and he wanted to talk to me to share that feedback with me about the role that I played in this and like all my mistakes and things that I had done to make this relationship break down. He sent me a message and said, I want to give you feedback about what you did to make this turn out the way that it was. And my response at that time was, thank you very much, but I'm not interested in your feedback or what your psychologist had to say about me because that's your narrative, not mine. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. I hope you read the go fuck yourself in between the lines. (laughs) I don't think so. But maybe he's... I don't think so. Maybe he's too... uh, You know what? I just, I won't say it. I I don't Mm. have anything nice to say about him right now. So... And you know, I, I think, I think about, sorry, I think about, I don't think about him often anymore at all by any means, but when I do think about him, I genuinely wish him the best. I really, really hope that the next person is not going to suffer the way that I did or experience the things that I did. Um, but I genuinely wish him the best and I hope that he finds happiness and he finds someone that is going to make him happy, but that makes him happy enough to not need to say those things to them to not need to show these behaviors to the next person and really just coexist in in harmony rather than Mm. in disarray that begs the question can people really change because in my experience no people don't really change not in things like this or let's say very Mm. seldomly because it's Mm. usually such an ingrained trait but which is also something that I've unpacked and no I don't think that there's opportunity for change because that's a model that was learned in that household Hmm. that's another factor yes yes but but I do hope that he finds that happiness and that he doesn't struggle for as long as what I did with us um because there were there were massive lessons in this for me to have learned. And I have learned and am still learning a lot about them. But that has just helped me progress as a person, helped me grow as a person. I really hope that this discussion that we've had today, you know, if there's anybody listening to the episode that is maybe experiencing something similar and it hasn't occurred to you before that this could actually be abuse, because I do think... You know, there there are many things that at first glance we don't consider them abuse because it is just kind of brushed off as like, ah, it's just a joke or it's a this or it's a that or whatever. But if mm. it's a repeated behavior, um, that is problematic. And, you know, I really hope that, that this episode has at least highlighted, uh, you know, if somebody is experiencing that and you're being broken down again and again and again and you're being made to feel worthless and you're losing your confidence, that should not be happening. And I hope that this is at least going to plant the seed to give you the strength to to walk away from a situation like that because you absolutely do not deserve it. Mm. Or to identify that it's happening because the first step in in making those decisions is to identify and to accept what is happening or to to maybe not accept what is happening, but to accept that that is reality. I don't, 
really know what I'm saying. Acknowledge, there we go. Acknowledge that it is happening. Um, and that that can give you the confidence to either reach out to someone or if you've got a friend, I've got another story for you that I just want to throw my two cents in there. But or if you've got a friend that tells you about things that are being said like this, that you are worried about to find a way to reach out to them and say, you know, you're not alone. This is a safe space for you to come and come and vent to. If there is a friend that you are concerned about, letting them know that there's a safe space with you is, isn't a good idea. I am a very close friend of mine, and this is something that I think will sit with me for a long time. I often sat and spoke to this friend of mine about what was happening. Like we would sit over a glass of wine and I would tell her these stories and these things that were being said. And the responses that I would get was, you know, that is not okay. That is not normal. Um, you know, he shouldn't be speaking to you that way. Um, but come the end of the relationship, I got told that, um, actually we quite liked him as a person and we've got no beef with him. And, you know, we never saw any of this happening. So, you know, we've got nothing against him and might even just remain friends with him. And to this day, still like his posts on social media, are friends with him on social media. And, yeah, just like that, that, that stuck with me. That was almost like a, you know, through this time you were saying to me, <clears throat> you're one of my closest friends and you will support me and this is not okay. And it shouldn't be happening, but come the end to say, <clears throat> um, I've got nothing against him, you know, so I understand that you had this experience, but I'm still going to remain friends with him was almost like a, a slap in the face for me. And it was a, well, is that is that really the value that you place on this friendship or on me and my experience? That's not normal, <laughs> in my opinion. So, I think fr- yeah. from from the perspective of someone who has gone through that traumatic experience and been the victim of that abuse and needed the friends to lean on. Yes, I had other friends to lean on. I very heavily lent on you. And on a couple of my other friends, but to, to need that space to, to feel like you could go and speak to people that are not going to judge you, that are going to be open and receptive, that will open their homes to you if you ever need it. There were so many times that some of my friends had said to me, I've got a spare room if you need to come stay. If you need to just phone me in the middle of the mm-hmm. night and say, I'm coming, then that option was there. And mm. just just knowing as the person that's sitting in the thick of it, knowing that you've got people that support you unconditionally makes such a difference and really gives you the strength to know that you can walk away and that you will still be loved, even if it's like in other ways, it's not necessarily in that romantic capacity. You're still loved, you're still cared for, you've still got somewhere to go. Just being that safe space for someone to speak to made the world of difference. Mm. It genuinely and and knowing that you're supported and you're seen that people validate your experiences when I came to you and I say to you my friend he said this this and this to me and your response would be that is not okay that is not normal um you are valid in the way that you are feeling gave me it almost like it helped guide me to the light and give me that strength to know that I'll be okay if I walk away Mm. Mm. Well, I think 
there's one thing at the end of the day that is so important that you know, and you've said it many times already, so I think you do know this about yourself, but you should fully acknowledge and own the fact that you are an incredibly strong person. And I think you can be very proud of yourself, actually, for summoning that strength to walk away. It doesn't matter that it took two, two and a half years or, or whatever. What matters is that you recognize it's a situation that you're not okay with and you do not deserve this and you walked away. And I think you mm. need to just give yourself credit for that too. Thank you. Off the back of that for if there's anyone else that is experiencing something like this or is in in a situation that feels just not right, that like there's just something niggling, um, there's a lot of societal pressure that people come in and say, like you said a little bit earlier, why don't you just walk away? Um, why did you stay for so long? And I get it. Like, I, I get it why you stay. I can't explain it to you, but I get it. You stick around, you hang around because you convince yourself that things are going to get better. You convince yourself that your reality isn't that bad or that what's happening is normal or whatever. But walking away is one of the strongest things you can do no matter how difficult it is. And there are helplines and people that can help out there if it's, you know, if it's maybe a situation of uh, a more physical abuse or a violent situation, that type of thing. Or even in these situations, it's very difficult. I, I did not feel like I could walk away in South Africa because I was afraid that if I tried, I wouldn't be able to access my house and get my things anymore. I thought that the locks on my doors were going to be changed, that I'd be locked out of my own house. You know, so there were... There, there are these things, there are these reasons why you feel like you can't walk away, but knowing that you can and knowing that when you do walk away, you will be okay on the other side of it and you will have people around you that can support you and that will help you through it makes it easier or makes it more bearable, I should say, than, than if you were doing it alone. And gathering up that strength and putting yourself first, no matter how long it takes you, is it is a sign of strength and it is a sign of you choosing yourself and choosing better for yourself and that is okay if it takes a little bit longer that is okay I I struggle with um not painting a picture of what my role was in this all um if I think back hard enough I could probably tell you you know I said things here and there that were not okay and I said, well, I, I, I obviously, I would have had to play a role in it somehow. I would have needed to, I don't know, throw fuel on the fire in some way. Or my responses to things would be what sort of instigates more comments or something. But as much as what I try and reflect on it, I cannot pinpoint behaviors that I had that warranted the responses that I got I try and think about it and I try and think about mm -hmm. like okay maybe I shouldn't have eaten the way that I was eating and that's what sort of got me to the point where I was being told I need to lose weight or maybe maybe I'm too overbearing and I try and overpower people when I speak and maybe that's what got me you know got these comments thrown at me saying um don't you talk I need to do the talking so 
you know, I, I, I try, I try and think of <clears throat> what, what could have caused it. What, what was my role in this all? And I'm trying, I'm still trying to unpack that and figure out what it was that I did because it's difficult to acknowledge your own faults in these things. And I want to, I want to grow from that. Mm. And I don't want to do that in the relationship that I end, end up in long-term. I don't want to bring something that's going to be to their detriment to it. So I want to grow from that, but I still struggle to figure out what it is. So it's a perspective that I like, I'm, I'm not, this episode was very largely around what was said to me and what happened to me and not around what my role in it was, but that's just because I can't figure it out yet. I have yet to put my finger on, oh, this is what you did wrong, or that was happening and that was not okay. It's not because I don't want to acknowledge it, just because I'm still figuring it out. Fair enough. And I think you know, there's always two sides to a story. And I mean, mm-hmm. we always, I think, of course, we play a role in some way, but even a small retaliation in whatever way did not justify the continued verbal and emotional abuse. It, mm. it It's not a justification for the behavior. I think it's a normal human response to try and defend and retaliate a little bit in some way in a conflict situation like that, but that doesn't make it okay. It, it mm. does not justify his behavior. But I think it's also it speaks a lot to your own maturity that you're thinking about it to this level, that that level of introspection to also see, okay, where did I play a role? And that also does come with time as well. I've also experienced with some time and some introspection, you know, you do realize, you know, maybe one or two things that you did that might have driven it to the outcome that was there. And I'm speaking mm. more now about my own experience and why my marriage ended as well. And, you know, looking back at it and you think, okay, well, I, I did also play my own role. So there are things to be learned from that. But that is a different situation to what we're talking about now. Mm. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I think that that is a... It, that feels like the right note on which to uh, wrap up the episode uh, yes. for for this week. So thank you again for sharing. Um, and I really hope that the episode also resonates. And uh, we, we've already said that if somebody is experiencing this, that it's maybe the, the, the that the seed gets planted or it's maybe the first small step in mm-hmm. in a journey to to prioritizing yourself and making the best decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoyed the episode or if you're enjoying the unconditional and uncensored podcast, um, please do give us a follow and a rating on whichever podcast platform that you are following us on. And if you're not already, we are of course on social media. This is the 21st mm-hmm. century and we are mini millennials, although I don't like the word millennial, but <laughs> I guess we do chronologically fall into this age bracket. So yes, we are on social media and uh, that would be Facebook, TikTok and Instagram. Yes. Before we go, we are going to take a little bit of a leave of absence um, over the Christmas break. This episode will be launching on the 26th. So um, happy new years to everyone listening. Happy new year. The 29th, not the 26th. 
26th is a Friday. Oh, no, it's not. That's a lie. I land no, on 26th, 29th. <laughs> yes. 29th. Thank you. Yes. This episode will launch on the 29th. So, Happy New Year to everyone listening. If it is a new year or it is in, it is coming. Um, we will be on leave for the next few weeks while um, I am traveling Europe. We will be recording together, but... Um, sporadically I think and we're just going to take a little bit of a break just to enjoy our time together and to enjoy our holiday Mm. um so we will be back again on the 19th of January um with our next episode yes so have a good time have a good Christmas have a good have had a good Christmas already but um yes we will be back again soon and we will bring you some more interesting and excellent content of course, yes. It'll be, <laughs> I think, the the first couple of episodes in 2024 will be ones that we've, well, probably, yes, have recorded in person. So I think there'll be an yes. extra level of enjoyment in the episodes. Yes, yes. But then, have a good one, guys. And until the 19th of January, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.